podcast world. What's up? This life ain't for everybody. Chad Belding back at you. Another episode. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Whiskey Bent Barbecue, the state of Florida. You want rubs? You want to eat beef? You want to eat chicken? You want to eat pork? You want some ribs? You want wild game? Check out the rocks. Check out the old fashioned. Check out the fix. Check out the grind. I'm still waiting to check out some of them, but it's Whiskey Bent Barbecue, the best in the country when it comes to throwing down, becoming a backyard aficionado, becoming one with your Traeger, becoming one with your friends and family, and learning how to serve that meat in a creative way that tastes good, that's easy off of that Traeger, but rubbed down the right way. Chad Ward is our guest today from Whiskey Bent Barbecue. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends in Salt Lake City, Utah, Traeger Grills. We got a lot of good things popping with Traeger. You heard Tyler Stark, VP, Director of Marketing here in the last couple days. We got big launches going on with the new app as well as that news he gave us on the podcast of just with the push of that button, you're going to be able to get your new pro series, your new ironwood, your new timberline series grills up to 500 degrees for reverse searing. And if there's anybody in the country, in my opinion, that's made reverse searing famous and brought it to the forefront, at least to my audience in the last 24 months is Mr. Chad Ward, Mr. Whiskey Bent Barbecue himself. Welcome my brother. Dude, thank you, brother. Good to be back. We were talking. It's been a decade since either one of us have been off the road for more than three or more than three weeks like this at a time since COVID nineteen hit, huh? Yeah, man, it has been, and it's. I mean, it's just so different. I mean, me, I, you know, our our job is to you know be around people, entertain people, educate people, and you know, obviously, we're still trying to do it through some of our technology, but uh, so much different, man you just put that tumbler cup over there to your right. That's your right arm. What, what, what's in that cup? Dude, it, it's, it's a little early today, man. So it's just, um, water with, uh, some crystal light, like drinks. Am I to believe this? You can, you can, I, I know it's hard to believe, but you can brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> the quarantine, the COVID, we just said you've been home for nine, you know, 10, in 10 years this is the first time you've been home for more than 20 days in a row. Are you grilling out a ton right now being at home like that? Is your freezer stocked up and are you grilling for yourself? Because a lot of the times Chad Ward grills for hundreds and hundreds of other people. We're going to get into that and what you did at Super Bowl, Dan Patrick, Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Sanders, not Barry Sanders, but, but Neon Dion Sanders. We're, we're going to talk about that, but are, have you been cooking and throwing down for yourself a bunch? Yeah, man, I have been, and uh, I've been trying to take a little bit of food over to the parents so they don't have to cook. So, yeah, man, I've been I've been trying to keep the trigger fired up and keep the keep the pit lit. Is there is there anything that is a God what like a go to right now in Chad Ward's world? I'm sure that a lot of people are thinking like you know we we're cooking a brisket, we got pork butts, we got steaks, we got Snake River Farms. A lot of things go on. You've introduced that to a lot of people out here, California, Nevada, through Traeger and, and Whiskey Bant. Is there a go to right now that you that you hammer down? Is it a mixture of vegetables and meats? Is it chickens and pork? Is it always red? What are you rolling with right now mainly? Uh, I just got done. I, I did. I did three slabs of ribs, and they were delicious, man. I um, when I eat ribs at home, I think it's because of my competition background. When I eat ribs at home, I like dry rub ribs. So no foil, no foil wrap, no sauce. Just a good dry rub rib, two seventy five to three twenty five on the Traeger for three, you know, two and a half to three hours. So I did a couple of those yesterday, and then while those were going, I, I slow cooked some uh, collard greens. Dude, I did not like collard greens as a kid, but there's something about the last year, year and a half. I think it's more eating the keto diet. I love the hell out of collard greens. And uh, and then I got pretty redneck, uh, red, redneck ingenuic, if you will. And when the collard greens were done, I took them out of that, that pot liquor and then put myself a batch of boiled peanuts to cook. And that leftover collard greens pot liquor, oh my gosh, dude, I tried those boiled peanuts today. Out of bounds, man. So good. You're not doing that on the Traeger, are you? No, no, no. I just did, a, just did that on the stovetop. Just on the stovetop. I, I did throw the collards on for maybe about an hour at 165 Super Smoke just to get a little bit of smoky flavor to them. Then I threw them to the pot. What What are you seasoning the collard greens with so I have an idea? And it better be something that I have in my pantry. Uh, that's a hint, Chad Ward. That's a hint. I'm probably going to be dropping hints throughout the next hour. No problem. I, uh, I, I used, uh, some salt pork and then I, I used the rocks. I used my rocks. That was my, uh, go-to for the season. I've done it with blazing bird too. And that's a pretty good season to put in college. If you want a little kick to it. I like that blazing birds. So let's start there. I want to start there real quick on sure. 
the mixology of a rub, not looking for any proprietary information. I've actually, you know, all everything's transparent with me is that I've been looking into do it. I've talked to you about doing a foul life rub before been looking into some different ways of it's like you want it to taste like this and you want some of that and you want some of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but you don't want to copy anybody and you don't want to knock anybody off because y'all are so good at what you do. How, how do you do it? What's the first step in what you do? Is that probably going to start off with a sentence? Like you just started off your, your rib comment about your competition background that you have this flavor profile built in your head. And you're like, that's what I'm going to go with for chicken. I'm going to add some spice for a spicier blazing bird for wings or whatever. How does it even start Chad Ward, the process? of of developing a rub because your rubs have taken the country by storm they're going into retail outlets and dealers across the country your private your private online sales are through the roof congratulations but what's the first step that you even look at in that and i'm not telling you to tell me how to make a rub i'm saying like how did you get your rubs to where you wanted them yeah so you 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 hit on it um really just stuff that i had used that i was mixing you know in my kitchen when i was cooking you know, 2025 20, contest a year, I would, uh, you know, I just make a batch of it, last me a couple of contests and I'd make another batch. And, um, that was for the rocks, the old fashioned, the bird. Um, those three were, were kind of my staples, um, that I was using, you know, obviously for the given categories. And I remember, I remember a guy that runs a co-packing operation, um, over in St. Pete. He's my co-packer now. Uh, Greg, Greg Watkins, uh, sauceology and Greg and re- Greg also competes and he'd reached out to me kind of when I was starting to get, you know, more popular. And he said, uh, man, I think you're walking away from a lot of money, um, and an, an opportunity to get your product in people's hands. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, you know, would you mind sharing your rubs with, you know, consumers? I was like, nah, man. I was like, I think it'd be awesome. You know, I always want to do something like that. He said, well, you know, why don't we work together? I'll put together some things, you know, you'll sit down and give me the recipes and give me some samples and what it tastes like. And so I'll always make sure you do a non-disclosure first. If you're going to go to a co-packer, um, you know, just to protect yourself, um, confidentiality, non-disclosure NDA. And, uh, so we did that and I went, and so he made it, um, I, I, you know, and obviously you're trying it in, you know, it's one thing to make it in a, in a, you know, in a bowl at the house, it's another thing to make it in a 300 pound mixer, not a 600 pound mixer and a 900 pound mixer. Um, so he gave me the first sample. He was probably, this is the, the, the old fashioned. That's the first one we released. He was probably, I don't know, 65, 70% there. And then we just made some tweaks. And I think on the old fashioned, we had 21 versions that we played around with till we got to what we wanted. Um, and then on the rocks, we did it. Um, you know, to me, one of my things, and it's, it's going to sound funny is I always loved, uh, McCormick, the, the Montreal steak. I always liked the coarseness of that, of that rub. Um, so for at home, you say, use it like, like that. So that's why the rocks is really, really chunky. Um, when I go to use it in competition, I'll put it in a, I'll put it in a coffee grinder and literally just pulse it twice just to break it up just a, a touch. So a judge doesn't get a big piece of pepper or something like that. Um, and I think we got the rocks done in about 14 or 15 variations or, or um, I should say, uh, versions. Yeah. Trials. And then, uh, the bird went pretty quick. We, we got it knocked out probably in about 11 or 12. And then all we did with the blazing bird to get that heat, um, is, and here's kind of a, a secret is it's a, a spice called Perry Perry P E R I P E R I. Um, it's also the same exact spice that Kentucky fried chicken uses to go from their normal chicken to their spicy chicken. And so we just added a certain percentage of that in there. And that's what gives the bird its kick. And another thing we did interesting, um, on the bird and on the blazing bird is a touch of cornstarch. So if you ever notice, um, if you ever notice that your wings tend to get crisper when you use the bird or the blazing bird, it's cause that cornstarch is soaking some of the moisture out of the skin, giving you a crisper wing at higher temp. Oh, that makes total sense. So before I ask you about the old fashioned, which is like crack, what is, what are the new ones? Uh, so we've got, we've got the grind, um, which is take the rocks, ground it down a little, add eight to 9% coffee. So you get those coffee notes along with the great flavor of the rocks. And then uh, the fix is just what, what kind of, you know, I tell people it's kind of replaced salt and pepper at my table. So um, it, it's a, it's really good as like, if you take a steak, you can use it as a base coat. 
So I put down a, a nice base coat of the fix, let it sit in four or five minutes. Once it's rested into the meat, then hit it with the rocks and let it sit, you know, another five, 10 minutes and throw it on. So it's a good base coat. I've had people that love it on their salads, um, popcorn. It's killer on veggies, Brussels, asparagus, that kind of thing. It's just a good general seasoning. And then I'm going to take that line and grow it um, in a couple different ways. So the fix will be the, that'll be the original, but then going to look at like a, a Buffalo fix, um, a ranch fix, you know, just some different plays on general seasoning. And so those are in the works right now. Um, you know, haven't been able to go over and get in the, uh, get in the uh, spice lab because, you know, obviously this, all this stuff, but uh, I've been playing around on paper and we got a pretty good idea of what we're going to do. Do you have anything for seafood? Uh, that's where we're going to go with one of the fixes too. I think I'm going to do something, um, something kind of uh, with a little, you know, kind of tap into the tropical thing, you know, maybe like a key lime based or, you know, a key lime note or mango or something like that. I have used the old fashioned on salmon and it's pretty damn good. Would you ever be interested in going into a co branded initiative with somebody like me in a, a, um, a batter kind of a deal to where are you doing that at all yet? And like a chicken nugget, a, a duck nugget, goose nugget, fish nugget, kind of batter fish fry. Maybe there's two separate ones, but yep. I, I just think that that's something that people can grab and have in their, you know, to go bag at camp or whatever, and, and make up some quick, really good recipes with the right batter seasoning. No, I, I'll tell you what, that's a great idea is I've kind of looked at, um, Oh, one more product I forgot to bring up is I do have a, uh, a brine that's really good called the dunk. So I use it for, pork, uh, a lot of wild game, you know, a brine is just going to have this osmosis process where it pulls water into it. Usually want to brine for an hour, a pound, but if you get a chance, try that too. I'll make sure that's in your next care package too. Cause I'd yeah. like you to mess around is, with it. Is that I'd like you to hint? mess around with it on some, some duck and some, some pheasant oh, and that I would kind love, of stuff. And dude, see what I'm it does a, to the moisture. I'm, I'm crazy about brines right now, man. You know who yeah. taught me, you know, who taught me a bunch of them or, or, or to really use it is uh, Nicole at Traeger. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's, she's awesome. Good. She's badass. But yeah, getting back to your batter comment. Um, yeah, dude, I think that would be a great, great thing to partner on. Um, you know, we kind of cover the, the grilling and that kind of thing with the rubs, but then having some kind of batter, like, uh, there's one here that I use all the time, um, that, uh, Everglades seasoning makes, and it's a damn good fish batter. You know what I mean? But coming out with something that could have the fish batter and also maybe even play in like the rocks or something like that to be the seasoning of it along with a couple other things could be pretty rad. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool. What did Dan Patrick name the dunk? No, he did not. So <laughs> he did. the, uh, the, yeah, no, it didn't. It, it's kind of weird. We just came up with the, uh, we just kind of came up with the naming as, as we were going along, we got a marketing lady that we work with. That's, that's pretty good. Um, she's a, works for a big New York city agency, but she's kind of wanting to start her own thing. And we were the first person she brought on, and uh, so it's been fun to work with her. But, yeah, she kind of came up with them while we were just sitting around drinking one day. What um, was Super Bowl like? I we The the rubs play right into this because your rubs yeah. are, uh, you know, they're on showcase down there with the, the crew. You had some help down there. I saw you had some of the Traeger ambassadors and family with you down there. What kind of guy is Dan Patrick? How – how I look at it like duck hunting is this common denominator. And you and I have discussed this before that it has opened up all these doors for us. And then you're with the, the Dan Patrick's and the Griffey's and the George Brett's now, and there's all these different things, you know, cause barbecue is another common denominator because food is social and food yeah. is that's, you know, in, in European countries, that's pretty much what you do. You, you party and drink and eat right in America. We're a little bit more stressed out, so we don't wrap as much around to it, but it is a big time social endeavor here. Absolutely. Um, no, I will tell you right now, man, when, when I got to meet Dan three years ago, when, you know, both of our dear friend, uh, Denny Bruce was kind of getting us ready, um, to look at evaluating, you know, Dan Patrick show coming on as a sponsor of Traeger. And, um, I I've grown up watching Dan. He's always been kind of my favorite sportscaster, um, or news anchor or sports anchor, I should say great dude. And so I was like, really like, kind of, I've never really been nervous to meet people, but I was really nervous to meet him. Like one of those things, and me and you've talked about this before, like you look up and admire this person. And you're like, dude, I really hope they don't turn out to be a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Dan was so nice and so welcoming. And I mean, it's interesting now. I mean, now three years into the relationship, um, you know, me and him have probably talked two, three times a week during the quarantine. Um, I go to his Christmas party every year. Um, you know, he's literally became a personal friend and there's no more genuine guy. 
I mean, what, the way Dan is on TV, he's almost even nicer when you meet him in person. And he's a pretty damn good guy on TV. So, uh, no, he's, he's super authentic, real deal. And uh, for me, Super Bowl, something that was really special is my parents, you know, being in there. My dad's 70. My mom's 66. Um, they had never been able to meet Dan or any of the guys. So we rented a big-ass Airbnb, Traeger did. And just so happened there was one spare bedroom. And so my parents came down. We did a dinner uh, Wednesday night for Dan, the whole AT&T staff at our Airbnb. And uh, my mom, my dad, my niece came down and did that dinner and then went. And uh, Dan's people were great. Sat him right in the front row for the show on Thursday and Friday. And it was really cool for them to see. They hear me talk about Dan all the time. They, they see me on TV, but they really, really enjoyed seeing mine and Dan's interactions off camera, just cutting up with each other and giving each other hell. Um, that it, it was really cool to be able to share that with them. Have you ever talked to Dan Patrick about his relationship with Adam Sandler and what kind of guy Sandler is at all? Because he's, oh, he, you know, he, he, how cool is it that he went from a, a sportscaster to being in, in several of his movies? Yeah, I think he's been in like eight or nine. But um, no, that that's definitely another awesome friendship Dan has. And he says Sandman's the same way, dude. He said he's he's super cool guy. You know, talk to anybody on the street. Just really, really humble. Appreciates all of his fans. Appreciate the lifestyle he's been able to build from it. But yeah, said so he's totally legit. He seems like he would be. God, that guy is so funny and creative. But yeah, I mean, it, I think it's just awesome to see what Dan Patrick has done with his brand in the yeah. podcasting, in the sport, in the in the you know the TV show, the Dan Patrick show, his radio show, and I mean, the guy he's he's built it when it comes to sports. Well, they you know, and 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 you know, for Dan being later in his career, I mean, they're on a kind of a new journey right now. Uh, at the end of February, the end of February, February twenty eighth. Their agreement with uh, AT&T DirecTV canceled because AT&T shut down the uh, – DirecTV shut down the the uh, audience network. And so Dan had a decision to make, and, uh, you know, I, I talked to him about it several times. I mean, he's got the big footprint radio-wise, you know, 336 affiliates through iHeart. Um, but he's like, well, dude, what, what do you think about the show? I was like, dude, just stream it on YouTube, man. People are going to watch it. And uh, the first day they streamed on YouTube – um, they got over a hundred thousand views within 24 hours. Wow. So yeah, really awesome for them. And a lot of people loved it. Cause they were like, dude, I could never watch it in Canada. I can never watch it overseas. Hey, I'm deployed. I'm a huge show fan, but I couldn't get it internationally. And now by the power of YouTube, they all, they all can. So it's interesting. I I've done a kind of a little bit of a tangent here, but I've always been a direct TV guy, but kind of when they effed over Dan and those guys, I was like, man, I wonder if I could go and, and you know, cut the, cut the cord. And so this whole quarantine, I, uh, I signed up for YouTube TV and that's it. Um, got a Roku for a couple of the older TVs in my house. And dude, I've literally streamed everything through the, I haven't watched traditional television, um, through direct TV or through cable the whole quarantine. And I just, I actually called this week and canceled everything really? um, because Hey, as long as you got internet, I mean, streaming is the way to go these days. It seems like it crazy how popular it's become. I know you, 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 you're a competitor, but you also are friends with a lot of your competition. And if I'm, I'm going to go down a road here of what I've been seeing on a show that I've been watching on Netflix, have you watched a show on Netflix? And I've talked, some of the listeners are probably getting worn out by me of talking about it, but it's called the chef. No, I have not. You have not, you have not seen it. It's hosted by John. Have you ever heard of the movie called the chef with John Favreau? Yes. Yep, I watched see? that, yeah. Okay, so that guy that taught him his moves and some of the recipes in there, Chef Choi, he's the Korean chef that has several yeah. in Vegas. You know who he is. So he's his co-host on this show on Netflix. It's called The Chef Show, and they have probably 15 or 20 episodes on there, right? Yep. Um, they do everything from tr from from traditional seafood. They do a ton with red meat. They do a bunch of pastas. They do a bunch of Korean foods. Well, um, they go to this barbecue competition in Austin that was first the first year put on to this guy. His last name's is it Franklin? Yeah, Aaron Franklin. Okay, do you know him? I've met Aaron at a couple of barbecue festivals and this and that, but like he's not in my phone. Like we don't talk like that. He he's on he was in the movie The Chef. He does briskets yep. in the movie The Chef. And then they go back to this. He did this, I can't remember what it's called. It's like called pot something in, in uh like it's a potluck, but it's like all these food trucks that got together and they had this food, this competition, right? Mm -hmm. And his barbecue company's in there. He's also in the master class giving courses now with with some yep. of these guys. What 
is the what is the deal with something like that? Is that just like you're in the right spot at the right time? Is that guy do something special with his briskets because they're really pumping up his briskets? Have you eaten it? Is it really what people say it is? And how does a guy like him get in that spot to be on a, a Hollywood movie and then a, a TV show like this and then this masterclass? Yeah. So when you look at Aaron and Aaron's brisket is that good. It's it's really really good. Uh, had the fortune of knowing enough people that didn't have to stand in that long ass line, kind of went to the back door and had a, had a brisket plate, but it was uh, it would have been worth the wait. Really, really good. But I think for Aaron, what, you know, is I would, I would say a lot of hard work and a, a sprinkle of right place, right time. You know, if, if we go back, you know, we're kind of talking about what Corona, you know, coronavirus is doing to the, the economy and this and that. Well, when we go back to the recession, um, to me, the recession coming out of the recession was a big boon for barbecue because you had these people that, you know, had high disposable incomes, really, really kind of upgraded their palate and wanted to, you know, co- you know, eat four and five star food. And then the recession happens and that disposable income goes away. Well, they didn't want to trade down the food, but they couldn't afford to go out. So they started cooking a lot more themselves. It's where the food network took off all the cooking videos, all those kind of things. Well, Aaron was kind of right in the middle of that. And, you know, he was crushing it with Franklin's food's really, really good. Um, and then he just gets some big hits. I mean, he, he got some really good media hits and then it just became like a thing, man. If you went to Austin, Texas and you liked barbecue, if you didn't go to Franklin's, you were an a-hole and, uh, and he just worked on it from there. He's got a good agency he works with. He's a super kind guy. Um, you know, and, and I think he just comes off as dude, if this guy can make world-class barbecue, I can, you know I mean? He's kind of a tall, lanky hipster, um, really soft-spoken, but does an amazing job. So I think it's a, a little bit of that formula. Uh, but once again, you know, the number one thing is great food and he's built a great brand, high reputation, tier one. When we were, when you were on the podcast last August, we were in Kansas city, you sat down with me when we were doing the George Brett cookout and you told me where your number one go-to is. Where was it? Was it in Kansas city? It was, it was yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's in Kansas city. Uh, Rob McGee has uh, two restaurants now called Q39. Q39. Freaking unreal, dude. He, um, he does, I mean, his brisket's really, really good. His burn-ins are awesome. Um, he, he's got this uh, pork belly, uh, this pork belly dish that's uh, appetizer that's amazing with this white bean casul that's really good. Um, and then the other thing I really like of his is his ribs. So his ribs, he cooks competition style, but then right before they come out to you, he'll put them babies over the char griller at about 600 degrees for maybe 30 to 45 seconds. Oh my God, dude, so good. And what it's, it's a white beans with it. Yeah. So like, like a white bean, uh, almost like a small version of like a Navy bean, but like the, the, the broth it's in is just like, like we started ordering more of the pork belly appetizer just for the white beans. Really? Like we were so over the pork belly, like, cause you know, pork belly, you can only eat so much of it. It's so damn rich. Um, but dude, we were, we were killing that white bean. What is it? What's the broth? Is it a smoke, a smoked broth? Maybe it's got a little smokiness to it. I think he's cooking it in like some smoked ham hocks. So it has this really rich umami smoky type flavor to it. It's just, it's good, man. It just like, you'd especially like want it on a cold day. It just feels like really, really hearty. You know what I mean? Okay. Before I get into some of the content that I wanted to cover today, I have one more question with you. Um, the, the name Benny Kendrick you've been very instrumental in this man becoming um, who he is. We've talked about him and spoke about him several times. What do you, where do you see him right now? And it's been, uh, it's been six, seven months, almost nine months since we've spoken about Benny again on the last podcast, where is he improving? Where is his confidence level these days? And where do you see him fitting into this overall scheme of national players? Like you talked about Franklin, you got you, you got the Pittmans, you got the Diva, you got all these, you know, these badasses that have won the competitions. Benny doesn't, he's never won a competition. He's participated in the Royal in Kansas City with you guys and he's walked the meets in and he's done all that. Where does he fit in right now? And what does he have so special that these people are gravitating him towards him and really gripping on to what he's cooking in his backyard every day in central California. Yeah, no, I will tell you, man, in the last nine months from the last time we talked about Benny, uh, just huge strides, man. And a lot of questions there. I'll try to hit him here, but I, I think in the last nine months where he's really improved a lot is, uh, he's gotten a lot more out of a shell. 
Um, you know, you see him doing more lives now. You see him wanting to come out to more events. Um, he, 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 you know, I would say nine months ago and before that, he always kind of wanted to be that guy, you know, a half step behind you. Like, Hey man, I'm here. We'll get it done. We'll go. Now he stands side by side with you on camera. You know what I mean? I think that's amazing. Um, where he really impresses me is, I mean, the dude cranks out content like a machine, but it's not like he does the same thing over and over and over again. You know, he did those bacon wrapped carrots a couple of weeks ago and it's like, dude, unreal. Um, the other night me and him did a live together. Um, and we were talking about different things we like to cook in this and that. And I'm a big fan of, uh, country style ribs. It's, it's really just a, a boneless pork butt that they take and they, they cut it to where it looks like ribs, but it's truly just pork button. But he's like, dude, I've never cooked them. Well, last night he texted me. He's like, Hey man, I found country style ribs. You got any tips for me? Um, he's not scared to try anything. He's not scared to make a mistake. Um, but he's always pushing new content out there, which grows his audience and also keeps his current audience engaged. Everybody's like, man, I want more followers, man. I want more engagement, man. I want this dude. You also got to worry about keeping your current audience entertained, you know? So I think that's a big one. And then, um, why do people gravitate towards him? Cause you know, we, a lot of us come from competition backgrounds, restaurant backgrounds. Dude, Benny comes from a backyard background and that's the most attainable to people, right? Not everybody can go out and spend 10, $12,000 getting set up to cook competition barbecue another thousand fifteen dollars to fifteen hundred dollars to go cook a contest but everybody can most people can make a small investment in a traeger and go out in their backyard and cook for their, their family and friends anytime they want to so he's just he's so approachable what he's sharing with his audience is so authentic and so doable because he he not only does the post but then does the stories that takes you all the way through it post the recipe i mean it's kind of he he full circle is virtually holding your hand to make you a better griller. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say that I would have said that verbatim, but it would have been pretty damn close from what I've seen him doing. I love his creativity. I don't, I don't respond to a lot of it or, or comment, even though I'm very tempted to because I'm not a big social media con con commenter you know but man he just blows me away with how good and he came and he cooked for a camp for me a couple months ago in duck camp and him and Skidmark just threw down and blew everybody's doors off so it's cool to see a guy like that with the background and the story come out of his shell continuously and, and, and make strides like he has because it seems to me that and you've said it before that barbecue's given him an entirely new existence yeah yeah no it's it's, it's awesome man and to see where that dude's came from for the first time I talked to him and met him, like, it's awesome, man. It's a, it's a cool story. We're going to actually, um, coming up soon here, we're going to be doing a email piece at Traeger on Benny and kind of his story. And I think it'll be really rad. I think What's this thing you guys it. got going on right now with the, the wing war? What's going on there is, uh, Patrick and, and coach reach out to me and say, Hey man, uh, we got this kind of weird idea just to keep people entertained. You know, we can do on Instagram live and, uh, it's really just a 12 wing, eating challenge. So, uh, the, the two competitors agree on what rub and what sauce they want to use. Uh, you cook them however you like to, if I was competing in it, I would overcook them a hair. So they're easier to eat. You can just slide right off the bone, little pro tip there. Um, and then whoever gets their 12 wings down first moves on in the bracket. Um, so that's, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with it. We're going to kick it off Friday. Um, all of them will be televised on our IG live unless I get a last minute offer from ESP and the Ocho. Uh, so that's what we're going to do, man. So I hope people tune in. Um, I posted all the details on, on my uh, page last night. Um, and then I'll uh, be updating on my stories, you know, each day that we're going to have matches. So somebody like me or, or Montana that I can absolutely destroy it in the wing world, do our invitations get lost in the mail or we just don't make the cut to get invited in be, uh, into the I, bracket? How does that work? Dude, I went totally political here and I said, all right, dude, it was y'all's idea. Wes, Patrick, you guys go pick the contenders. Just so I wouldn't have to answer those questions. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> shake, okay, here we go. Quarantine 2020. Everybody's got yep. their freezer. A lot of stores are empty on the meat shelves. Guy or girl walks out to their deep freeze. They look in it. They did a Costco run a couple weeks before this starts, and that's where my line of questions is going to take place from right now. Okay. First, first off, the Traeger that you would tell somebody to get right now, all-around badass model that you can depend to do everything from, from cauliflower to reverse sear a ribeye, what do you tell them? 
Um, I mean, right now, I mean, obviously money's always an object. If you're, uh, you know, the, the, the pro series, the, the five, seven, five or the uh, seven eighty, are just workhorses, man. Um, I've cooked a ton of meat on, on mine and they do a great job. Um, if you want a little bit of an upgrade, a little bit more room to cook on, you can move up to the ironwood eight, eight, five, got a little bit of insulation. So like for, for me here, the ironwood's probably a really, really awesome, uh, choice here in Florida. But if you, you live in a cold, a cold weather state, I think you could look at making that upgrade, uh, to the timberline. But you know, if I could only have one and, and price was an issue, I would definitely go with the pro series. I mean, it now gets up to 500. I, I know you said, uh, Tyler, Tyler was on earlier, but yeah, it does get up to 500. Now it just takes a download of the app and the new firmware. Um, so that's, that's cool. That's one of the differentiations we had, um, between the, the pro and the ironwood and the pro and the timberline. Uh, so yeah, that, that pro series is a badass grill, man. But if you want a little more feature set, super smoke, this and that, Ironwood for warm warm weather areas, Timberline for cold weather areas. So they open the lid to the deep freezer. First thing on top is some pork chops, mid All cut right. mid cut pork chops. What are they doing from from temperature to the first bite they take? Uh, I want all of this on a Traeger of their choice. Yep. They have it either they bought a you know one at Costco or one at Ace or one at Home Depot or they whatever they got it. Pork chops is number one because I think everybody in America probably has pork chops in their freezer. Yeah. I just did some pork chops the other night. So I'll walk you through it. Um, I did, um, I brined them, um, for about two or three hours. So if, you, if you've got a brine, you can mix it. If not, there's some pretty simple, uh, brines out there online. You can, you can grab up, but, uh, I just took and a scoop of my dunk. So the, the water it calls for, um, make sure they're floating in it. Good. Put them in the brine in a Ziploc bag, throw them in the fridge, set a three hour timer. Three hour timer went off, went over, pulled them out of the brine, washed them off real good, patted them dry. And then I used a mix of, um, I did the bird as my, my base rub and then came over the top with a little bit of old fashioned and, uh, threw them on at 225, uh, for probably, they were thick cut. So I probably, they probably ran about 45 minutes at 225 super smoke. Um, and then I pulled them off, uh, had my Ranger going at 500 and uh, seared them for maybe a minute, minute and a half each side. Uh, I, I don't mind my pork pink, so I pulled it right at 145, uh, let it rest about 10 minutes, took some pictures for the gram, and then uh, and then ate. And I, I think I paired that that night with um, some uh, bacon fat uh, Brussels sprouts that were really, really good. I did those on the Ranger uh, while the, while the uh, chops were smoking. I did a bacon fat... <clears throat> um, cast iron skillet 500 degrees bacon fat fresh apple slices and turned them into a liquidy applesauce with a little mm. bit of with a little bit of cinnamon with the sweet with that bacon dude i'm telling you do a come on uh, and then you and then you just put a little dab of that on each bite of the pork chop oh that'd be awesome bacon fat applesauce try it yeah, legit. Well, that, that sounds legit so the last part of that pork chop, I want you to mention one more time. You pulled it at 145 degrees internal temp. Or yeah, one so uh, so I, I smoked it until it hit about 125, and then I seared it until it hit 145. So a lot of people that don't like pork are used to, you know, back the USDA used to say you had to cook pork to 165 um, because of, uh, you know, it would make you sick, which is total bullshit. Um, and then they finally came back and officially relaxed it to 145. Um, sometimes like, like if, if I'm cooking a Traeger event, I'll cook it to 150 or 152. Cause I don't want people to come back and go, ah, this pork's undercooked. No, it's not. It's cooked to the guideline. But, um, when I could, when I eat at home, man, 145 on the dot, sometimes even like if it's a pork loin, I'll cook it to like 142, 143. It's a little bigger piece of meat. and It's going to carry over cook a little bit more, uh, to where it's at perfect 145 when it's done carry over cook. Okay, they the next night they go in, they open the lid to that deep freezer or pull their freezer door open, and they have drumstick, chicken drumsticks. All right, uh, so and I'll, I'll, the last part of this is <clears throat> try to do this one to a, a a person that might not have a whiskey bent rub with them, but you can associate it with one of your rubs. But if they don't, what's the seasoning they want to use to make these the, to get that flavor, that moisture, and all that? Yeah. So and the crispy skin. Sorry. Yep. So on the, uh, on the chicken wings, um, one thing you can do is go ahead and kind of get the crispy skin, take them out of the package, um, 
dry them off real well. So this, this is for wing. This is for wings or for drumsticks. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Drums, drumstick, drumsticks. Okay. Legs. Okay. So take them, uh, take them out of the the packet. You know, obviously thaw them. Take them out of the package um, because they have been thawed. They're going to have a little more moisture on the outside. So wipe them down real well. Put them on a sheet pan and throw them back in your fridge. Um, and you can let them sit there for a couple hours. What that's going to do is that's going to allow that skin to dry out a little bit and start working towards that crispy skin. Um, Flavor range wise, like, you know, I've had good drumsticks that are simply just a little bit of lemon pepper and a little bit of like Lowry seasoning salt. Um, Just make sure you don't go too heavy handed. So it's too salty. Um, Or you can go just straight lemon pepper. Um, To me in the past, I've done a little bit of like salt, pepper, garlic, and a touch of a, a touch of a cayenne just for a little bit of kick. Um, any way you look at it, any of those would work for you. Um, for me, when I cook it, I usually use my blazing bird if I'm not using just regular spices. Um, Traeger at 375. And one thing I'm going to do actually before I season it, after I dry them out is, so you ever notice when you cook drumsticks, sometimes the skin will snap. And so the reason for that is you've got all these tenements and tendon, tendons and ligaments that run from each side, from here to the, the crown of the, uh, drum, if you will. And, um, so what I like to do is I like to take a, and go about an inch and a half, two inches up the, the handle, snip it, and then come up to the top, the crown or the bulb, go in about two inches and snip it. What that, and that, then you'll notice that'll allow you to pull the skin all, all the way over the drum. That also makes it to where you don't have to worry about that skin snapping because now those tendons and ligaments are released. It's also going to improve the chew whenever you bite into the the drum. So do all that, season it up, and then 375 on the Traeger. And I'm going to cook, you know, we usually cook our chicken to 162, 163 when we're dealing with breast. When I do drums and and legs, they go higher. Um, I'll probably cook a chicken leg to around 180, 185 degrees. Um, it's still going to be super moist, but my reason for that is it's, it's dark meat. So it's, it's got, you almost kind of want to render out some of that fat. So it's not too rich. And then the other part is it's going to help break down the rest of those ligands and tendiment. <laughs> well, I'm having such a hard time with this. <laughs> ligaments and tendons. Tendons and ligaments. Um, it's going to help break those down some more. So you got a real nice bite, uh, when you chew it. So that, that's how I would cook kind of at home drumsticks. And at the end of this, are you, do you have to do anything with the heat or the grill to reverse sear the skin to get it to that crispy at all? You know, no, I find if you're operating and cooking skin on chicken at 375 or above, you should get that crispy skin, especially if you pat it down and and let it dry out for a couple hours in the fridge. So you're not smoking these at a lower temperature first. They're going right on off the cookie sheet after you cut the skin a little bit and flap it over or 350 degrees. 375. 375. You're going to cook these to 180 to 185 degree internal temp. Are you letting them sit before you serve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give them, I always give everything if it's smaller cuts like that, five or 10 minutes to kind of let the juices redistribute. And what's the time frame on that at that temperature, you think, on the Traeger? Um, you're probably, depending on how big a drums you've got, you're probably looking at 35 to 55 minutes. 35 to 55 minutes. Oh, man. I've never cooked them at that high a temp, but I'm going to try it now. Guy yeah, walks they're, in. The- they're good. You get a little bit of char on it, a little bit of texture. Obviously, um, if you want, if you want them sauced, you could obviously pull them around 165 and dunk them in sauce and put them back on until you hit that 180, 185. Just any time. I don't do a lot of saucing. Obviously, trying to to live a keto lifestyle, um, but you know, obviously, I do in competition. But just remember, anytime you're cooking with barbecue sauce, it's the very, very last step. If you put it on any earlier. A lot of them have kind of those cheap sugars in them. They're going to over caramelize and give your food a burnt flavor. So if you're glazing anything, always make sure it's toward the very end of the cook. But the recipe you just said did not entail a sauce and you don't need a sauce at that. They're going to taste perfect. Yep. The guy walks in, girl walks in the next night. Now it's Wednesday. They got ground beef, ground venison, ground elk, whatever it is. It's pork fat cut with meat for burger style patties. Is your view of a hamburger, Chad Ward, the simpler, the better to where it's meat and cheese in a bun when you're not on keto. Or are you one of these guys that mixes it with the bell peppers, the onions, the cheese and the burger, the spices? How do you do, how do you get your, your meat ready in the pot before you form your patties? And then how do you season them after that before they go on the grill? 
Yeah, so I I like doing a I like doing stuffed burgers. It's probably my favorite burger. So a four ounce patty, stuff it with a bunch of stuff in the middle, four ounce patty on top, crimping around the sides. Um, I just did one right before all all this uh, coronavirus stuff happened. I was up in Chicago and I did a uh, chorizo stuffed chorizo and cheddar stuffed burger uh, with the the chef from Ace that that should release this summer. And I love it, dude. Like, I think it's great. Like I've stuffed them before with feta and spinach. Um, obviously I've, I've done one that's kind of interesting, almost like a hamburger cordon bleu with, uh, a little, a little piece of cooked chicken, some ham and, uh, some Swiss cheese, and then make all that in a burger, uh, with a burger on either side is really good too. So one of the tips about making your patties, so get your ground beef out. Um, I'll take a big, if, if I'm doing numerous burgers, I'll take a big metal pan, put some ice in it, and then a small metal pan, and then put my meat in there. Meat behaves, ground ground meat behaves so much better when it's friggin' ice cold. So I'll go right out of the fridge, right into that cold bowl. Um, I'll usually do a little bit of salt and pepper um, over the burger, just a touch, and then um, I'll just start making my patties. If I'm doing a stuffed burger, I'll do four-ounce patties, put the stuff in the middle. If I'm doing uh, just a regular hamburger, I'll usually do an eight ounce patty and then kind of put my thumb uh, in the middle of it. If you put your thumb in the middle of it, it keeps the burger from mushrooming up. It helps it keep its diameter. Um, once I've done that, I'll just season them lightly. Um, I don't think you got to get too crazy with burgers. I mean, I use the the rocks as my burger rub, but then if you're just using out of your pantry, I do salt, pepper and uh, garlic. And I think it's really, really delicious. Um, one thing I have done in the past instead of using, you know, a garlic powder or something like that is I usually always have a ton of smoked garlic that I've smoked on my Traeger's garlic cloves that then I'll just keep in the fridge. I'll take one or two of those, depending on how much meat I've got, take one or two of those garlic cloves and smash it in with the burger. Dude, it's a really deep, nice smoky flavor. Um, so we got them seasoned up and to me, there's really two ways to cook burgers. My go-to is about 275 with a little bit of a sear at the end. Um, or you can go lower and do a full reverse sear. Or if you're in a hurry, I think 325 is also a sweet spot um, for burgers. So you got a couple options there depending on how much time, how smoky you like your food, that kind of thing. Um, and then I will uh, always, if it's going on a bun, at the very end, you got to turn that grill up to high and toast your bun. If you're eating a burger without a toasted bun, you're missing out in life. Um, plus that toasting, hopefully it's going to be a nice juicy burger. Cause I cook mine to, to medium rare. I'm not worried about grind. I mean, especially if we're using some wild game meat, I'm probably going to pull my burger at, you know, 128, 130 degrees. Um, so toasted bun, I like a little bit of Mayo. Um, I don't eat lettuce, tomato, onion, but if you do do that more power to you. So I'm usually Mayo burger. I'll melt the cheese on the Traeger. Uh, my favorite cheese is Gouda, which I think Gouda on a burger is badass. Um, and then I'll top it off with my bun on top and a little bit of uh, ketchup and mustard. Is there anything on the bun before you before you toast it? You can do two things when you toast it. You can do a little bit of butter or another one that makes a really, really nice finish on a burger is a little bit of mayo. So mayo and then toast it, and uh, it gets a really nice browning, nice crunch. So on the four the four ounce patty, you stuff it four ounce patty, crimp the sides, kind of like a little a little pie. Um, yep. Does the stuff always cook to temperature along with the beef, or do you have to do you have to pre start any of your filling? No, so I I actually use uh, raw chorizo, and because raw chorizo is ground just like the burger, it usually gets there um, in the same amount of time. Um, if you do anything like we were talking about, like the cordon bleu one, yes, I'll take and pound out chicken tenders really fine. And then I'll cook them to about 145 degrees. So I'll know that they're not going to overcook when the burger's cooking, but they'll also be at the finished temperature. Guy walks in on Thursday night, girl walks in on Thursday night. They open that deep freezer. They look in there. There's some white fish. There's a, it could be saltwater fresh. It could be a saltwater fish or freshwater. It might be halibut. It might be walleye. It might be crappie. It might be perch. It might be where you're from. It might be mahi. It might be sword. It might be uh, just anyway, a white flakier fish, right? Yep. 
this stuff is amazing to me. I could live on this style diet every day for the rest of my life, eating raw fish or a Traeger prepared white fish. I just did Brett Cannon from Fort Lauderdale just sent me some mahi and some yellow fin and some sword the other day. And I just been living on it. Right. Um, yep. I love white fish. There's so many different ways that you can do it. I've done it in foil. I've done it out of foil. I've done it on wood. How, what, what is the best way, easiest way, probably through the quarantine that if that person opens up that freezer on a Thursday night and finds that white fish? Dude, I am so simple when it comes to seafood, just cause I love the flavor of it. Kind of like you, man. I, I don't, I don't want to cover it up. I don't want to mask it. I just kind of want to elevate it, you know? And so for me, I'll usually um, do a, very simple seasoning, you know, salt and pepper. Um, I like to cook my fish around 275 degrees. Um, it gets just enough smoke without overpowering it, in my opinion. And, um, and I'm probably going to hit it, you know, two or three times during the cook with a baste. Um, and my baste is usually made up of uh, some of that smoked garlic I was telling you about smashed up and some melted butter. Um, and I'll mix that up really good and then just kind of um, – not really brush it on the fish. I'll use more like a baster or even a squeeze bottle and kind of spritz it. Um, and I'm going to cook it until it hits about 142, 143 degrees. What is, did you say the fish was sitting on? Did you say that? I, I, <clears throat> no, I usually put it, uh, I usually make sure my grate's really well oiled and just cook it straight on the grate. So that's simple. That's just cake. Mm -hmm. And that, and that, and, and I, you know, off subject a little bit. And I, again, not a soapbox. It just, nothing wears me out more than going into a sushi restaurant and seeing somebody dunk the rice into a deep bowl of soy and wasabi mixture. I, I mean, I, I use a minuscule of soy with more wasabi and I get it almost pasty. Right. And then yeah. I just, I dip a corner of the mm -hmm. raw salmon, raw yellowtail, raw tuna, raw octopus, whatever it is. I dip a corner of the meat in there and then put that in my mouth and that's it right that i it's not dipping your rice side down is not how you eat sushi or you know if you're eating nigiri and not sashimi yep. but if you're eating it with the rice you don't let that rice soak up all that soy because you never taste the fish right no nope. and me and you've ate sushi together we eat sushi very similar the same way i like mixing my wasabi with my soy and like you said and 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 you know don't try to cover it up it's just a little elevation that's it yeah, and it's almost, I think I've even heard over in, in, in Asia that it's almost disrespectful sometimes to dip rice side down first, even though a lot of them, you know, probably don't eat the rice over there with the sushi most of the time, but, or with the I, raw fish. I would, say, I would say it's the same insult for me as if I give you a perfectly cooked brisket and then you go slather it up in barbecue sauce. Yeah. Or a badass steak and then you go like, hey, where's the where's A1 the or the Heinz 57? Yeah. And then you yeah. want to slap. It's always my joke though. Hey, George, you got any ketchup? Yeah. I ask yeah. <laughs> so... Friday night comes around. Now we've covered we've covered the chicken, we've covered the pork chops, we covered the seafood. What did we do on Monday night? Burger. And we did the burgers. Now Friday night rolls around. We got a bottle of red wine. It's time to cook a steak. It might be a venison steak. It might be an elk steak. It might be a beef steak. It might be wagyu. It doesn't matter. Um, same kind of principles applied to a steak. Simple. The seasoning, is it the rocks? Is it is it a mixture? Is it salt and pepper? Because a lot of people just like salt and pepper, maybe a little garlic. Is it reverse sear? What's the temperature? Go. Yep. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take in uh whatever the steak is. Uh I will put a little layer of the fix on both sides and then I'll hit it with the rocks. Um if you want something super simple, I've ate many a steak with just salt, pepper, and garlic. Um if I do that, I'll take the the smoke. Uh, garlic clove and actually rub it on the steak all the way around and then do the salt and pepper. Um, and we're going to set the grill at 225. If you've got super smoke on your traker, turn it on. Um, and I'm going to put it on until it reaches about 115 degrees. And then I'm going to turn my grill all the way up to hot or, you know, you can bring it inside on a hot cast iron, whatever. We're going to sear it off. So for me, I'm at 500 degrees. Um, I'm going to sear it off. If it's a wild game, like an elk or a venison, I'm probably going to pull that at about 128 degrees. Cause it's so lean. Um, if it's a way or something of that nature, I'm going to pull it a little higher, uh, probably about 132. And if it's just a regular old beef steak, you know, choice grade, I'm probably going to pull it about 130. Um, and I'm going to let that rest, you know, depending on the thickness of the steak, you know, five to 15 minutes, the thicker the steak, the longer I'll let it rest. Um, and then, man, slice that baby up and enjoy. 
when you say slice that baby up, Chad Ward, what does it mean when to teach somebody how to slice a steak up? And it's not, it's, it's not like you just grab it and you just go to town. What is the correct way to slice a a piece of red meat or a tri-tip or a steak like that? Always against the grain. Always. Always against the grain. Yeah. Explain that please. So, yeah. So you got the grain of the, you got the grain of the meat. Like let's say for instance, it's running this way, kind of diagonal. You always want to, so if if the grain's running like this, you want to slice it like that. So grain running this way you want to be slicing it this way because what happens when you slice it against the grain is it just gives you a lot better chew. Um, if you take and perfectly cook a steak and slice the whole thing with the grain, it's still going to be a, a touch chewy. Uh, if you do it with something like tri-tip, it's going to be damn near hard to swallow. So always with, with beef, red meat proteins, you know, I, I do it on all wild game too, man. You always want to slice against the grain. Always against the grain. And is that only red meat? Uh, no, I do it with everything. Like you can see the grain in uh, chicken thighs, or sorry, in chicken uh, breast. chicken breast a lot of times, and I'll always slice Just against the grain chew. there too. Yep, it's a better chew. It's almost like you're using the grain against itself and the knife by actually kind of tenderizing it a bit because you're cutting that that grain so much smaller. Huh. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Saturday night rolls around. You got your choice of everything Sunday is going to be a leftover day. We got yep. probably leftovers up, but now it's Saturday night. You're celebrating. You just got word from the Trump administration that this thing might be on its way out. We might be able to actually see our friends and family again and actually shake somebody's hand and not elbow bump them. If we do see them, don't have to wear a mask in a store very much longer. What is Chad Ward? You got your girl there. You might have your mom and dad there. It's a nice night in Florida. You got the grill going on. What's being poured into the tumbler? What's the side? And what's the meat that you're going to have on a quarantine? Cel- the quarantine is dead celebration dinner. Oh, man. Or no, I, let me take that back. The virus is dead celebration yeah. dinner. Um, I would say I'm probably going to do. Uh, probably do ribs. So probably do uh, ribs and um, uh, probably some, I do these, uh, well, you've had them before, the apple pie baked beans. So probably do the apple pie baked beans and the ribs. And um, my ribs are a pretty simple recipe. I um, start them at 225. So I'll season them up with uh, the blazing bird and the old fashioned. Um, And then I'll go uh, 225 super smoke until they're about 165, 170 degrees. Um, when they hit that, I'll take uh, two pieces of heavy duty foil. I'll put some butter down and uh, squeeze butter, usually just parquet cheap shit. And, um, a little bit more of the two rubs and do that on the front, put the face of the rib in it, do the same thing on the back, uh, close it up real good, bump the heat to 275, um, and then cook them face down in that foil until they hit 204 degrees between the two thickest bones. Um, 204, they do. Yeah. 204, 204. Yep. And when they do that, um, I'll, I'll pull them off, get them out of the, get them out of the foil. And, uh, usually I, I won't sauce them. Um, if you're going to sauce them, then to the time to do it and put them back on for 10 or 15 minutes. But once I hit that 204, I come out of foil, put them on a, uh, sheet pan and just let them rest, uh, for probably about, you know, once the heat, once you see all the steam come off of them, probably, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And uh, while that's happening, um, the side that I'll do, and I'll kind of just, I'll kind of just take and, and make the beans ahead of time, and put them in the trigger and just let them roll uh, while the ribs are on. So real simple, it's uh, Bush's baked beans, and um, if you get like the two of the bigger, not not the number ten can, but like two of the bigger ones, <coughs> the Bushes, I think it's like thirty eight ounces or something like that. I'll do uh, one can of uh, apple pie filling. It's like a regular, like 12 or 16 ounce. Well, I think it's like a 12 ounce can of apple pie filling. I'll dump the apple pie filling out on a disposable cutting board, chop it up really, really fine. I'll take the bushes, baked beans, put them in the pot uh, or a pan. Usually um, throw the apple filling in there, uh, mix it up real well. I'll add a little bit of barbecue sauce, maybe like a cup. Uh, I use Craig's barbecue sauce, but you could use your favorite barbecue sauce. Doesn't matter. Uh, touch of mustard. And then, um, 
the rocks. Um, just regular yellow I'll, mustard. Yeah, regular yellow mustard. Just a, just a touch of it just gives a little more little more umph. This might um, be something else you could try that pork fat in, Chad Ward, that I talked yeah, about absolutely. that applesauce. Mm-hmm. That might go. That you know, pork chunks go good with baked beans anyway. Yeah, no, that that that's damn good. Um, and then I'll uh, and then yeah, I'll I'll put a little bit of the rocks on it, mix it all up real well, and then throw it on the smoker and probably probably about an hour and a half into my ribs, I'll throw it on there because that way it gets enough smoke. And then when it's just you know when the ribs are finished at two seventy five, I'll usually cover it uh, so it doesn't get too smoky. And then I uh, just let it roll, man. And they're super rich; they're ready to go. Uh, you let them. I, I'll, I'll take the cover off and let them cool down a hair so they kind of seize up a little bit. And so by the time the ribs are done, those beans are ready to go too. And uh, to me, man, it's just a fun ass meal. And the bite of a rib, the texture of a rib, is it different from competition to what you're going to serve to your friends and family? Yeah. So competition, you don't want to fall off the bone rib. Um, the judge is going to take the rib. They're going to bite it and they want to see their teeth marks all the way around it. Because of that, that's the way I've became preferred to eat my ribs. Um, but you know, with my family and friends, I'll sometimes stay, you know, do it another, you know, instead of pulling them at 204 for myself, you can pull them at 208 and they're going to be that fall off the bone rib. So just kind of know your audience. But for me, I, and I guess for me, you know, I, I take every cook as a, a test or a, a learning experience. So I just like to know that I can hit that perfect bite mark every time I throw a rack of ribs on. Um, so that I'll usually do one rack that way. And then if other people are coming that like fall off the bone, I'll go up an extra four or five degrees and I'll give them what they want. And this is pork short ribs. Uh, so usually I'm cooking St. Louis style ribs. Yeah. Thinking, what's the difference? Um, so St. St. Louis style ribs, uh, they come off the, they come from the spare rib, which is down the, the bottom portion of the mid of the rib cage by the pork belly, uh, where baby back ribs are going to be more up towards your spine, a uh, little more curved. Um, I just say, once again, I love baby backs too. They're delicious. Um, but St. Louis style is what you cook in contest. And so, you know, once again, if I'm going to, if I'm going to fire up the grill, I want to learn something from it, have another data point. Before we get off, what do we got going on with you, myself, and the, the one they call Money Mendez from the UFC, Chad Mendez. What do we have going on? Oh man, we've been, uh, we've been working on a, a cool concept now for a little bit, but, uh, looks like we're going to, we're going to have some pretty badass cookbook here in the future. The provider. The, I love that name, dude. We got to, got to give you credit for that. That's a, that's an awesome one. Thank you, brother. Yeah. The, the three Chads, one cookbook, the provider going to probably have close to a hundred recipes in addition one, maybe 70 recipes in the first edition. Um, we do need to get together because we're going to, uh, we'll let it out of the bag that we are going to have up to 10 celebrity recipes. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a great idea. Um, we got to get George, we got to get George to do his, uh, his tricep one with the uh, garlic and the rosemary. Yeah. We got to get George to do that. We got to get Griffey. We got to get Zach Brown's going to be in it. Uh, Hendo's in it. Uh, but it it's going to be a slick deal. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, I think it's interesting because we both get a lot of DMS about it. Um, and I think we all three, even though we share the same name, come from such different walks of life as far as, you know, where we've kind of made our, our name at. Um, and, you know, obviously Mendez can, you know, that's going to be some of your you know, obviously great wild game hunter and, and cook, but also, you know, there's going to be some stuff in there about training and how he eats, you know, when he trained and that kind of stuff. And then obviously your background and in, in hunting. And then, you know, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of the, uh, what I see from you as far as, you know, what to do with a lot of the waterfowl. You know, I, I haven't cooked a ton. I've cooked some of it, not a ton of it. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to that portion of it also. And, you know, obviously, you know, my strength will be playing to, you know, barbecue in the backyard. And we are going to do it. We're going to have, we're going to have interactive workshops. We're going to have an interactive website, how to videos. Like when you were talking today, I want a video of how you cut your drumsticks, the skin on the drumstick yep. to make it the right bite and, and get that skin flapped over the right way. I think that stuff right there is just so intriguing and inspirational. Chad Ward, Whiskey Bent Barbecue. Thank you so much, buddy. This was a good one. We'll do it again soon. Yeah. Yeah, man. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks, man. Stay safe, brother. And, uh, 
Hope to shake your hand and give you a hug soon, man. Sooner I than can't later. wait. Yeah, we just had that Traeger event canceled, but we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna try again in May, buddy. I can't wait. This, yes, sir. This episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody again was brought to you by our friends, Mr. Chad Ward, Mr. Whiskey Bent Barbecue, whiskeybentbarbecue.com. Get your rubs right now. Be looking for more. Get the dunk and learn how to brine, learn how to cure. There's so much stuff that this man can teach you. Don't be afraid to DM him. I probably shouldn't say that because he gets overloaded with them, but check him out, Whiskey Bent Barbecue. Thank you for supporting this, friends, the sponsors, the partners that support our TV shows, our podcast. Don't forget about our sister podcast, The Foul Life. Great guests coming up and brand new episodes of the foul life airing right now exclusively on the outdoor channel and don't forget to look for that provider cookbook coming soon chad ward chad mendez chad building the provider mentality living off the land there's not a cooler way to live than growing a garden taking those vegetables and mix it with some wild meat that you just harvested chad ward love you brother thank you very much tom hit the button this is leith loft and the song is called what you gonna do when the money's all gone and please don't forget to keep checking out drake white stomp at drake white stomp on instagram for his wednesday night therapy sessions he's been rocking it and laying it down there's another one tonight again drake white stomp he wrote this song right here with leith loft and what you're going to do when the money's all gone. Thank you guys very much.